been on this uh, road trip uh, through the Word, and we've, we've covered some uh, sections of Scripture already. We started out in the books of the law. We have, uh, we've looked at um, at least uh, one week at each of the Gospels. We're going to return to those later. Um, we've spent time in um, the history books of the Bible, Judges and Kings, Chronicles, uh, the history books of the Old Testament. Uh, about six weeks there, and I hope that as you continue to read through um, your Bibles and, and do your daily reading and you stay devoted to that, ask God to help you um, continue to do that. If you miss a day, don't quit. Just jump right back in. Um, uh, don't let the uh, enemy say, well, you're out of the habit now. You might as well just stay out. Just jump back in any day. Read any amount. Read a verse. Read a chapter. Read a book. And, and keep moving in and ask God to make it come alive to you because it is his living word. We're going to spend the next four weeks in the book of Acts, which is a, um, a history book in the New Testament. It is a dynamic, short history of the first uh, several years of the early church of Jesus Christ. After his, uh, his uh, life and death and resurrection, and the book of Acts picks up with his last uh, few words before his ascension into heaven. And it's a, it's a dynamic book about what happens to the believers in Jesus Christ as they move forward uh, into history. Luke, uh, who wrote the Gospel of Luke, is also the, the author, the writer of the book of Acts. He tells us that right up front. He's addressed it to the same person that he's been writing to in his gospel and basically in his gospel he said here's what happened when Jesus was with us with us on the earth and now here's what happened right after he left us here's what God began to do in us after Jesus uh, went to heaven after the resurrection and it's a it's an amazing thing it's the establishment and the outbreak of the dynamic church of Jesus Christ and it began to change the world forever. The, the first half of the book of Acts, the main character really uh, in those first uh, 11, 12 chapters or so is, is Peter, the disciple Peter, the apostle Peter. He's, he's a very prominent leader in the early church and he's kind of the main character that things are centered around there for a while. And then as you get into the second half or maybe the last two thirds of the book of Acts, it shifts and the main character becomes the apostle Paul. There's that dramatic transformation of his life when he face-to-face -face has an encounter with the risen Jesus on that road to Damascus. And it changed him from being somebody who was trying to kill Christians to maybe the most dynamic Christian leader the church has ever known. And as he began to travel all around the Mediterranean world and even beyond that to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ and establish churches. Luke was a companion of the Apostle Paul for, um, for quite a bit of his journeys. And so some of what Luke writes in the book of Acts, he was right there to see it. He's not just, not just uh, taking somebody else's word. He was right there with Paul when many of those things happened. One of the things you'll notice about the book of Acts when you get the end of it, there's not a nice, tidy, conclusive ending. It, it's kind of just, it just kind of stops with something that happened and, and in other words, there's a lot more to come. It doesn't just wrap up and say, well, that's the end of the history of the church. Instead, no, it's going and moving forward 
way beyond this, way right up to and beyond us today. Now, I read this, uh, this paragraph uh, yesterday in my, uh, in my study Bible that I have uh, in the intro to the book of Acts. And, and I thought I would just share it with you. I found it to be very uh, profound and, and meaningful to me. It, it says this, as you read Acts, put yourself in the place of the disciples Identify with them as they are filled with the Holy Spirit and experience the thrill of seeing thousands respond to the gospel message. Since their commitment as they give every ounce of talent and treasure to Christ. And as you read, watch the spirit-led boldness of these first century believers who through suffering and in the face of death take every opportunity to tell of their crucified and risen Lord and then decide to be a 21st century version of these men and women of God. Man, I was moved and challenged by that. Because as I read that and I hear the dynamic power of that and I sense when it says they gave every ounce of talent and treasure to Christ, and the spirit-led boldness it talks about in the face of suffering and death. And then I just sat back down on my lazy boy and flipped the remote for a while. I mean, because that, I mean, that's, that's just where we are, isn't it? Anybody here face suffering and death this week for the sake of the gospel? Well, we could, I, I think on the one hand, we can be very grateful that, that we don't face that in this nation. And we face some mock and ridicule. You watch Saturday Night Live enough and you'll, get, you'll see Christians made fun of. And watch almost, you know, almost anything. Portrayals in movies of us are usually just, I'm like, have they ever been to church at all? Um, you know, so maybe there's some minor persecution. We were in our uh, district uh, assembly th this past week, the gathering of, uh, of 90-something churches and pastors and representatives from those churches across uh, South Texas. Um, it's a big, big geographical area. It runs from up north in Nacogdoches and across Waco and then all the way out to Odessa and Midland and then everything south of that, you know, down to the Gulf and down to the border. It's a big area. Dr. Stan Toller who's visited with us here a time or two, my former uh, boss and, and my good mentor and friend, he talked about his time he's been spending in Africa where the Church of the Nazarene and the Church of God worldwide has just continues to explode. And he talked about a, a pastor that, uh, that he ordained. That is, as the representative of the church, he laid his hands on this is an official thing that we have when you complete the necessary education and the amount of experience you need and profess a call to a full-time ministry in your life. The general superintendent at some point at a district assembly will lay his hands on you and anoint you an elder in the church of God. And Stan said he laid his hands on this, this man in Africa who just recently before that had been beaten, beaten to within an inch of his life and threatened and who later told him of, of six, I believe it was six of his fellow pastors who just in the last year or two have been martyred 
killed because of their proclamation of the gospel. And in the past, uh, uh, I'm trying to remember, maybe somebody that was there can remember, but it was in recent, in recent history around the world, we've had 47 Nazarene pastors killed, martyred. And the gospel is spreading so fast in Africa that, that very soon there's going to be more Nazarenes in Africa than there are in North America. I read this. I'm thinking, the Spirit-led boldness who through suffering and in the face of death take every opportunity to tell of their crucified and risen Lord. When you read the book of Acts, it should just jump off the page to you that God is powerful and alive and can overcome anything. As we look at the beginning of the book of Acts, and in a moment, verse 4 or so will pop up, and I'm going to read the first three or four verses for you first. Luke says, In my first book I told you, Theophilus, about everything Jesus began to do and teach until the day he was taken up to heaven after giving his chosen apostles further instructions through the Holy Spirit. And during the 40 days after his crucifixion, he appeared to the apostles from time to time, and he proved to them in many ways that he was actually alive. You can read about some of those things, like he was eating with them, he was touching them, he was talking to them. And he talked to them about the kingdom of God. And then it says this in verse 4. Once he was eating with them, and he commanded them, Do not leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gift he promised. As I told you before, John baptized with water, but in just a few days, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. In this proclamation, Jesus pointed to something that goes beyond. Something that goes beyond, and and if I could capitalize beyond in bold and big letters for you to hear that, Jesus pointed to something that goes beyond, beyond our belief in him. Beyond our, our declaration that most of us here would give this morning that, yes, I believe in Jesus Christ. I believe him to be the Son of God. Yes, I believe that, that he died for our sins. I believe he rose from the grave. And I believe that I should follow him. I, and I, most of us would say, and, and I, I'm thankful for forgiveness that I've asked for from him and feel that I have received. And many of us that are here today, many of us that are here today have been baptized. Uh, many of us underneath this, uh, these boards covered with carpet right here. Many of you have been baptized right here in this baptistry. Many of you in other places. I was baptized when I was nine years old in a baptistry in a church in Oklahoma. Many of us have had that experience, which is We say around here it's an outward sign or symbol to the community, to the world of an inward change that's happened in our hearts. And that's the symbolism of going in the water and coming out. And and that's a really great, great thing. But Jesus pointed to something that goes beyond believing in him. Something beyond being forgiven by him. Something beyond taking a step and being 
baptized as a sign of our faith. He pointed to something beyond that. Now, I want to be real clear, real clear to you. I, uh, you know, I believe in receiving Christ and the grace of God. And I believe that it is just, you know, the most incredible thing in the world when you awaken to who you are and your sinfulness and confess that to God and recognize that he, through Christ, forgives you. Is there anybody else that witnesses that that's an amazing thing to know? Minor enthusiasm. Okay. I believe in the forgiveness of sins. I believe it's, it's amazing, it's incredible when you're adopted into God's family. I, I firmly believe in being baptized with water. And if you haven't taken that step, I don't care how old you are, you need to do that. I prayed with a, with a, a man uh, that's become a part of our congregation just a few days ago, and he, he said, I'm ready to take that step. I want to do that, and we're going to have an opportunity for you to do that here soon. I, I, I believe in that. It's a huge statement of, of faith and, and change and intention in your life. I don't want to belittle that in any way. I mean, baptism, I mean, there's no saving power in that water, but there is power in that, what happens in that water. My, uh, my youngest daughter, Jana, and her husband, Zach, that many of you know, they're, the church that they're a part of outside of Columbus, Ohio, just last night at their Saturday night service, they baptized 29 people. And many of them, uh, about nine or ten of those had planned to be baptized, and the other 20 just there in that service said, hey, I want to do this. And they had clothes ready for them and, and all that kind of thing. And maybe that's something we need to think about. And they anticipate in their two services this morning, and it's probably happening right now, they're about done, that they would baptize that many or more. Very exciting. A young church growing. You think our music's loud. Whew. Yeah. I'd love to see a dynamic outbreak like that here. I wish it was happening. And the reason it's not, I'm going to be bold right now. The reason it's not is because not enough of us have experienced something that goes beyond this. Something that goes beyond your belief and your baptism with water and the forgiveness of your sins. I'm not belittling any of those things. They're essential. In fact, they have to happen before something more can happen that Jesus talked about. Something more doesn't lessen the significance of what's already happened. Not at all. And the question I'd want to ask you this morning is this. Are you done Spiritually speaking, are you, are you done? You finished. I mean, have you arrived? You've attained salvation. You've, lain, you've attained a sufficient level of goodness. And you just, I mean, you just, you're fine. You think about things that, uh, that make you want to come back for more. I mean, you think about the first time that you bit into a really good chicken fried steak. 
And the, I mean, the white cream gravy was just, I mean, it was just on. I mean, it, and, and you just, you just like were, I want another bite. In fact, I want several. You think about, you think about if you play golf, if you think, if you play golf, and the first time, the first time you get, you get over that ball and you take it back and the tempo is just right and you come through and it hits the middle of the face of that club and, and, and soars into the, I'm telling you something, it's sweet. I mean, I don't, I mean, it's, when you feel that, it's just, and you, you just think, even in spite of what happens after that, you, you, you leave the course going, I know, I know I could do that again. And I really want to because it just felt, you think about if you're in business, maybe in sales, and the first time you closed that deal, and the satisfaction, and the promise of income, and, you, and the first time you did that, and just the way it felt, and you thought, I can't wait until I can do that. I don't want to stop here. I want more of this. You think about the first time you had, as it says in that, that movie several years ago, that thing you do. Have you ever been properly kissed? I mean, the first time you had a really, really good kiss. Not on the cheek. And you thought, uh, more of this. <laughs> I've got a new one for me in the last few weeks of my life. I'm going to tell you something. When my four-and-a-half-month-old granddaughter smiles at me like she did at 7 o'clock this morning, I'm telling you something, it warms my soul. I mean, it... It is, I've never experienced anything like that. I mean, it just, it's just deep. And I can't wait until she does it again. I keep coming back for more. Jesus said, you're a child of God. You belong to me. But there's something more. I'm not finished with you. And I think maybe here this morning we hear that and we say, that sounds great. It really does. Pastor, it sounds good. But, that sounds great. But, and we're kind of where the, the disciples were in Acts chapter 1 at verse 6. Jesus had just said those words that I told you about. Wait for the promise. John baptized with water, but just a few days you're going to be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And the next thing it says is, so when the apostles were with Jesus... They kept asking him, Lord, has the time come for you to free Israel and restore our kingdom? I'm going to paraphrase. And I think I'm pretty accurate here. Jesus, that sounds great. The stuff about the Holy Spirit, like that. But when are you going to fix everything? When are you going to fix everything in my life and set me up for the future? I mean, when are you going to get rid of the people that cause me problems and this, this government system and, and all this that we're dealing with? And 
you know, when are you going to set it up to where we're going to be powerful and, and all? I mean, and maybe that filters down to where we would communicate it like this. Jesus, that holy thing, that thing about the Holy Spirit and something more, you know, beyond being saved, as the pastor's talking, that sounds good, but what about my job? What about my house? What about the recognition that I deserve that I'm not getting? And, and Lord, what about my husband? And my wife? And my kids? Why don't you just make them be like I want them to be? Lord, when are you going to fix things? When are you, you going to make everything better in my life? Lord, when are you going to make everything better in my life so I can do what I want to do, when I want to do it, and how I want to do it? When are you going to tell me the future? They were kind of asking that. When are you going to tell me the future so I can know what's coming, and then, Lord, I'll take it from there? And there are people in the church that spend a whole lot more time trying to figure out when Jesus is going to come back than getting people ready for Jesus to come back. And you see Jesus' response in verse 7. He said this, The Father alone has the authority to set those dates and times, and they're not for you to know. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Here's at least one of the things that I believe Jesus is communicating to us there. He's saying this. We have to let go of our agenda and embrace the authority of God. Before something more can happen in our lives, we've got to let go of our agenda and embrace and recognize who's in charge. You want something more, you want something dynamic, something greater than you can imagine, you let go of your agenda, your control, and recognize God for who He is and say, I surrender to your will just as Jesus did. Now, Lord, you do what you want to do in me. And Jesus says, here's what will happen if you do that. You will receive power because the Holy Spirit will come on you and you will be my Witnesses here and there and out there and way out there. Power. Power. We use the word power a lot. Um, we use it in combination with other words to make bigger words like horsepower, hydroelectric power, wind power, solar power, atomic power, thermonuclear power, jet power, rocket power. And the world runs on those powers and, and starves for, for more. I've heard, uh, 
I've heard a scientist uh, say before that all those kinds of powers, he said, we didn't invent that. It was already there. We just found out how to tap into it. And I believe that's the way the power of God is. And the way to tap into it is to let go of our agenda and fall down before him and say, you alone. That's what you need to do to receive the something more, the baptism of the Holy Spirit that Jesus was talking about. The baptism of the Holy Spirit is to give power. To give power. The Greek word that's translated power, you've probably heard this if you've heard a few sermons, is dunamis. It's the, it's the word from which we derive our words dynamite and dynamic. The Holy Spirit gives power, and the power that He gives us helps us to live Christ-like lives and be His witnesses. His witnesses. You know, there's another interesting thing um, in the Greek language that Luke was writing in. The word for witness and the word for martyr come from the same root. Witnessing, being his witness, can be a risky thing. Risky business. My, my daughter, Janae, and her friends, um, a little over seven months ago, began praying for a friend who was falsely accused of murder in another state. And, and they prayed, and they worried, and they were concerned, and, and things were moving forward. And initially, it did not look good for the accused. Until some witnesses came forward. Some witnesses who, in a small community, came forward under threat, under danger. But they spoke the truth. They spoke the truth. And I was with her in a group of about 30, 35 people. Late on a Sunday night after our life group, I went over there and they gathered around and prayed for his family. And here's what I saw. Truth won out. And he's free and reunited with his family. Jesus said, my witnesses. You'll be my witnesses. That, that speaks of a close relationship. It, it speaks of, you know me. You, you spend time with me. You know what I'm about. You've seen the truth. You witness about me out of relationship with me. Not just out of things you've heard, but out of things you've experienced. And action comes out of that. Action comes out of the fact that you know him and you've spent time with him. And you've become close to him and you've received his 
power into you. And that's why the book of Acts is called what it is, the Acts. The stuff that happened with the apostles in their lives in the early church. Stuff was happening. They weren't just talking. I don't know who said it, but I I wrote this quote down a long time ago. It says this, What you do speaks so loudly that I will gladly listen to what you say. That needs to be descriptive of the church. What you do, how you actually live and serve and give and treat each other and treat other people. What you do speaks so loudly that when you speak about what you believe, I'll listen. I want to know if this describes your life. Does this describe your life? Are you a witness? A power-filled, spirit-filled witness of Jesus Christ. Do you, do you have that sense of the Holy Spirit working in your life? This past week at our gathering that I told you about earlier, a missionary named Dan Hopkins Never heard him before. He spoke uh, to the group. He's a missionary in Dominica. That's not to the Dominican Republic. It's another place. If you want to know what Dominica looks like, uh, he, he brought that question up and he said, if you want to see what Dominica looks like, and then he showed a clip from the Pirates of the Caribbean because that's where they filmed it. You know, all that beautiful, lush, green jungle and cliffs and all that stuff. That's where he is. He told a story about um, a 15-year-old girl there in Dominica who he said is just absolutely beautiful. Beautiful dark skin, beautiful bright eyes. Um, Just, you know, beautiful girl in every way. And because of that outward beauty, she's just received a lot of attention from people around her. And he said he he knew that her family, her parents, were very concerned about the influence in her life and the choices choices that she was making or would make and the direction of her life and the influence and all that attention. And just very concerned about where she was going and what was going to happen with her. And he said you could look at her and, and see why. He was speaking in a worship service that this 15-year-old girl was in. And I don't know, I don't remember exactly what he said he preached about. But when the service was over, he gave an invitation for people to pray. And he said this beautiful girl stepped out and she walked down and she came straight to him. And he said to her, what, what can I pray with you about? What is it that you, that you want, you need, what do you want to pray about? And he quoted this two or three times until I, I wrote it down. And this girl looked at him and said, I want God to cleanse my heart and fill me with his spirit so I can live for him consistently. 
I want God to cleanse my heart and fill me with his spirit so I can live for him consistently. Do you want that? You bow your heads with me. I'm going to say that statement one more time with with our heads bowed and just a a moment of reflection. I want God to cleanse my heart and fill me with His Spirit so I can live for Him consistently. Is that what you want today? If that's what you want, right where you are, I want you to ask God to do that. And recognize as you're asking that, you're also saying, Lord, I let go of my agenda and I recognize you as the great authority for my life. And I want you to fill me up with so much of you that it just drives out everything else. And Lord, I pray today for your people. If there's somebody here today, Lord, that's never even asked Christ into their heart, never received that forgiveness, I I pray that they would reach out for that today. But my, my primary prayer this morning, Lord, is for those of us who believe and we come to church, probably even been baptized in water, but we haven't let go of our agenda. We haven't surrendered to you. And we have not been filled to the full with the power of the Holy Spirit so that we could live our life consistently for you and be your witness and change the world. And Lord, I want to confess as a pastor of this church that I have not often enough sought the power of the Holy Spirit to so fill me and move on my life that I wouldn't allow myself to be comfortable and allow us as a church to be comfortable with where we are. And because of that, we're not winning enough people to you. It doesn't lessen the significance of the things that you're doing and the things that we embrace, but you're just telling us today that there's more. God, you love every person in this room, as we've sung about today, with a deeper love than our hearts can fathom, than we can understand. And I'm so grateful for that. And Lord, this this word isn't meant to badger us or beat us over the head and make us do better and follow the rules more closely. This word and the power of the Holy Spirit is there to do something dynamic in us that brings joy and power and fulfillment that's greater than anything this world offers. And I just pray we'd receive it today.
In Jesus' name, God's people said.